Hi there, this is Cindy Tonkin. I'm the Consultants Consultant. I work with data science teams, helping them work even smarter, faster and nicer. If you're brilliant and you want to be even better, this is the podcast for you. Hi there, this is Cindy Tonkin. You're listening to Smarter Data People. Today's podcast is with Elizabeth Moore, who's one of the most wonderful clients I've ever worked with. Um, She's going to talk about stuff like how some of the best relationships are forged in disaster, what it's like to have an inbox with more than 70,000 unread emails, uh, and where she thinks the next level is for most data insight professionals. Listen in. I don't know how to introduce Elizabeth Moore. It is Elizabeth Moore. She's fabulous. I'll do an introduction of her when uh, when I'm not on, when I've thought about it. Uh, but Elizabeth Moore has been a friend and client for 2004, I think, four, so 14 years. Uh, and we have lived through some trials and tribulations. Uh, she's my favourite data person. <laughs> A smarter data person, and here she's on smarter data people. Smarter data people. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> it's kind of weird being running like I'm, I feel like I'm running a radio show. Um, so my first question, Liz, how do you work smarter? What's your big thing, do you think? It's making sure you're working on the right things. Okay, how do you do that? The smarter piece is... Yeah, analytics is only as good as the problem you're trying to solve. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's your sound bite. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're, you know, we can be using the best maths with, with the best data structure, doing the coolest things with robotics and AI and machine learning, but if we're not actually making a difference, whether that's from a business or social perspective, mm-hmm. then it's all pretty much a waste of time. Yeah. So what is the outcome of what you're doing? And so getting really, really crisp and clear about what is it that you're trying to solve for, mm. what business problem you're trying to solve for. Do you have, can you execute off the back of what you're doing? I think mm. for me is how you work smarter because it's giving focus to, mm-hmm. to, to what you're doing. Um because you've worked with hundreds of data analysts, yep. world-class data analysts Indeed. across the whole gamut of industries. Mm. Um, what makes a good one or a bad one? So I think that there's a certain given on a technical, mm-hmm. a certain like a, a price of, of entry. Yeah, yes. it's, it's, it's cost of dance. You tick it to the dance. Yes, yeah, yeah. You've got to have you know, a certain level of technical capability. But what makes the best ones is curiosity mm-hmm. um, and an ability to build relationships mm-hmm. with the business people who are going to use your output. Yeah. Given that most analytics people don't have a product mm-hmm. or a channel to market and we actually rely on up in because I've worked in large, mm. complex organisations and the stuff we do in and of itself doesn't drive a business outcome or a social outcome it actually needs to link into other parts of the business. And the analysts that have really made a significant difference in the organisation are able to link up cool new analytic developments through to execution, whether mm-hmm. that's 
getting a product to market, getting a message to a customer, um, making a better business decision Mm -hmm. because they're starting with that in mind rather than starting with cool technical kit. We don't have a problem with two cool technical kit. I love the cool technical kit. <laughs> Let's get more yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's but not the outcome the client needs. It's not the outcome the client needs and it's not cool technical kit for the sake of having cool technical kit. It's not I want, you know, a giant data lake for the sake of having a giant data lake. It's really <laughs> I want a giant data lake. <laughs> I know. Let's go swimming. <laughs> Let's go swimming across the data sea. Um, it's... What are you going to do with it? What is the outcome that you're, you're wanting to wanting to drive? Mm-hmm. And you're less likely to end up with a data white elephant mm-hmm. if you've actually got some really clear business use cases that are the foundation of what you've architected, built, and then ultimately um, activated. So is that where people get arrested in their careers when they come to a place where they can't do that bit? My experience is, yeah, being not being able to clearly link into a business problem. Mm-hmm. The other aspect that I find is the inability to communicate what you've done in right. a way that actually humans can understand. Um, the temptation to linearly explain every step of the analytic process in a um, almost like this fairy story where you've got to explain every crumb mm-hmm. through to the gingerbread house from the beginning of the wood to the end and every mm-hmm. twist and turn to your stakeholder when actually all they want to know is what does a gingerbread house look like. Mm. It's that There was that metaphor which we were using a couple of years ago about when you go to a Go to a travel agent, they don't go, well, first you're going to have to stand in line at customs Mm -hmm. and then you're going to, they're like, it's a beautiful beach. You're going to love it. You're going to have all these wonderful things. We want that. Yeah. Doesn't mean you're not going to run across a stakeholder who's going to want to know all of that Where the breadcrumbs come from. Where the breadcrumbs come from. What are they made from? How big are the breadcrumbs? What is, what... What did the pathway look like? Mm. What were the trees that you walked past? All of those sorts of things. There are going to be stakeholders who are going to want to get down into that detail and you've got to be prepared to answer those questions. But for the majority of stakeholders who are completely overwhelmed with um, information, completely overwhelmed with things that are demanding their attention, Anything you can do to really cut through and clarify what it is they need to do off the back of the insights that you've generated. And I think for me it's that switch from I'm an analyst to I'm an insights professional Mm -hmm. that is where people get stuck Mm. through um, assuming that if somebody doesn't actually understand the maths, they're an idiot, Mm -hmm. Uh, assuming that somebody may have forgotten all that maths, then they're an idiot and they need to understand. We were talking yesterday mm, yeah. on our walk about um, they need to know. As soon as yeah. someone says they just need to understand, if you've, lost going, it. You, you've lost it. You really, you really need to be able to explain the insight in a way that drives action, whether that's business action, whether that's social, whether that's um, you know, whatever industry you're working mm. in. 
in the industries that I'm working in, it's usually you're wanting a business decision, often because I'm, I'm working in a marketing context, it's we want to be able to take an action that results in an, a, a better interaction with the customer. Mm, mm, absolutely. Whether that's better, a better service interaction, a better sales interaction that actually results in the customer being better off mm. as a, using all this data and analytics to do that. And to do that, there's long, complex processes mm-hmm. in large complex organizations you need to be convincing the product people and the channel people and the strategy people that all of these things need to come together to to result in a an offer in store mm. or a um a digital banner ad that's different from what it would have been otherwise. Mm. So you are constantly persuading, influencing, informing, uh, cajoling. I know that you use a number of tools. Mm. I know that the Enneagram is one of your tools. What's are there are, are there other tools? Do you want to just talk talk about how you use so, those tools? Yeah, um, it's thinking about. And so, so you may consciously start thinking of, mm-hmm. you know, what type of stakeholder you're dealing with, mm-hmm. how would they want to consume information, where are they coming from, and it could be, you know, you're using Enneagram type or um, Strength Finders, mm-hmm. thinking actually they're... Uh, they don't have the woo I need. Yeah, yeah they're a learner. Yeah. They're a learner. Um, you know, they've got a strong learning function and actually taking them something really interesting. Or they could be somebody who's driven by innovation mm-hmm. and actually going to a stakeholder saying, we've got this cool new technique. Your product is special, gorgeous and different and we want to use this cool new technique and be first in the world mm. at doing this mm. is going to motivate them to want to buy into whatever project you're trying to, to get off the ground. Yeah. So it's crafting the messages to how you think that individual is going to want to say, and that's mm-hmm. really important to see each person you're dealing with as an individual who thinks differently, motivated differently, um, getting to know people mm-hmm. and very much being almost like an internal consulting team. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you want to work with people that you like. Don't we all? Absolutely. So get to know the people that you're working with and find... What you could like about them. What you can like about them, Mm. um, what they can like about you. um, And, you know, my experience with stakeholders is the best relationships are often forged in um, disasters. (laughs) Um, A few minutes in the trenches together and we're happy forever. So the project that's gone wrong, this, you know, having to front up to senior, a senior stakeholder steering committee and basically go, we don't have the thing. <laughs> we don't have the thing. It's broken. It will never be. It's mm. um, and working together through those sorts of things are really where you forge um, strong, strong bonds. So it's actually not necessarily a bad thing to have a small disaster early on in a project. No, I mm. don't think so. I wouldn't go out of my way to create a disaster. Mm-hmm but you can use small setbacks in mm-hmm. a project as ways of being able to bond with mm. the other members. Yeah. It's the not the end of the earth to come back and say we're behind, we're behind schedule and here's what we're going to do to fix it. Correct. And early and often. Mm. Um, that's another thing that um, I find that um, you need to work with analysts early mm-hmm. in their career are, a tendency to helping them overcome the tendency to, I just want to sit here 
and work on the data. Mm. And uh, if something goes wrong, hunkering down and going to ground is never a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's what they what they want to do. Yeah, mm. often, often. Look, it's what we all want to do. Nobody actually likes having to ring up someone and saying it's going to be late or mm. I've stuffed up or it can't do what we thought it was going to do. <laughs> it, it just doesn't work, and and it happens all the time because mm. often it's experimental. You mm. you don't know if unless you. You know, a lot of the stuff that analytics are doing, particularly now, we're pushing the boat out on what the technology mm. and the data can do. And sometimes stuff just doesn't work. Mm. Um, the data feed breaks. The data warehouse is down. Uh, where you thought the data was last week is now somewhere else. Uh, it, it, you know, it, which means that the promise to deliver by Friday you're not going to make. Yeah. So as soon as you know you're going to miss that, pick up the phone, have an in-person conversation if you can, mm. um, face-to-face if you can, definitely on the phone as a second. Don't send an email and run away. Mm. Send or just a text. <laughs> or text and go away for the weekend. <laughs> text? I'd go face-to-face, face-to-face phone call, text, then email. Yeah. And the reason that I say that is emails are just over. In my yeah, there's so many. experience, there's so many. I get, from a work perspective, I'm dealing with like 250, 300 a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I may be dealing them with them in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. So, so what about when meetings go wrong? So what, mm, have you been in meet? what kind of meetings? Uh, are there stories you can release to the general public about meetings that have gone wrong or... Advice you can give about that? When a meeting goes off the rails, why does it go off rails? What? So, um... Has it been rescued? (laughs) So meetings, yeah. Meetings often go off the rails because you haven't prepared properly for the meeting. My experience is, you know, when when I kind of look back and think and reflect about why did that stuff up, it's because I hadn't prepared Mm. properly. I either haven't gotten across the content in enough detail or I haven't shored up or I haven't managed the social process effectively before the meeting happens. Right. So yeah. I think there's a, there's a classic one that um, you and I have spoken about a number yes. of times where um, we, we were working with somebody who was trying to get a very large capital project funded mm-hmm. and um, and, and I've done this as well. It got, it's a mistake that you often make early mm-hmm. in your career is you assume you're the smartest person in the room and that you can actually scoot on into the room, tell this amazing story, put up your slides and everyone's going to go, oh, I want one. <laughs> um, it goes wrong when you actually haven't thought about each of the stakeholders, mm-hmm. gone and seen them beforehand. If you're going in and asking for something big, you want to make sure you've got most of the people in the room lined up and it's just a tick. Mm. Uh, so there's work, there's the meetings before the meetings mm-hmm. and I know that that sounds really time-consuming, but there are people who are going to be able to help you get your idea across and going and saying, I need your help with this meeting. Mm. This is what I'm trying to achieve. Can you give me some advice mm. on the best way to, to do that? We'll actually... Build a relationship build, and build get your data. Relationship, get the data across, get the project across. Um, 
So there's the big meetings where you're trying to get a decision to go mm-hmm. your way and it's never going to happen in the room. Yeah, that's not where the decision is made. Yeah, no. It's not in the room where it happens. It's not Thank in you, the room Hamilton. Where it happens. Yes, I know. <laughs> See if we can work our way through all the shows. I'm um, not going to lose my shot. <laughs> not giving away my shot. Um, and then there are just presentations that have gone completely feral because mm-hmm. you've fallen in love with the technique. Right, yes. Um, you've fallen in love with the analytic process. And you've completely forgotten about what are we here to do to drive a business outcome. And I've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I can I can think of them that are it's like that people don't care, they mentally go to Fiji when mm-hmm. you're often your your you know fancy of delight talking about you know the the elegance of the awesome technique you've how you repurpose choice modeling to do something absolutely amazing and you think it's well, no one cares. Mm. What they care about is what am I going to do as a result of knowing this? Mm. Uh, most people don't care. Mm. And if you do think that there's somebody going to care about technique, do them before the meeting. You know, get do them before the meeting. Do that. That's the soundbite. <laughs> yeah, that is the soundbite. Do the engagement before the meeting. Yes. Spend half an hour with them, get them across the technical details that you think that they may need to support mm. you in the meeting. Um and the other, the other one is not telling a story. Yeah, that's if you don't tell a story, you've got a problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we sort of talk, we talk, we kind of talk about. We've been talking a lot about um, the triangle mm-hmm. and inverting the yes. triangle. Um, when I sort of think, and this kind of probably doesn't work as well on a podcast as it does on a whiteboard. Yes. Um, but it is, if you think about um, an inverted pyramid, a triangle inverted with the point down at the bottom and the mm-hmm. um, most analytic processes, the way we, uh, or insights processes, the way we approach this, we've got all this data, so it's broad and wide at the top and mm-hmm. we funnel and we funnel and we funnel. We come to the point and there's the answer. Mm-hmm. And there's a real temptation for us to tell our story that parallels the analytic process, which is broad to narrow, mm-hmm. broad to pointed. Um, you bore people mindless mm. doing that. You lose them. They're not interested. They're really, we're, we're going to do a page turn on absolutely every, if it's a research project, every cross-tab you ran, every, um, every you know, spreadsheet cart, every, you know, every pivot that you looked at in your pivot mm-hmm. table. We talk about inverting that triangle mm-hmm. um, and starting with the starting answer. Starting with the answer, and then what are the three or four, maximum twelve backup pieces of data mm-hmm. that support that. So you were telling me yesterday about uh, there are some consulting teams you've seen who start with the answer and then find the data that goes behind it. What's mm-hmm. your thought about that? I think there's a lot we can learn from the way they present information. Mm-hmm. And when you think about, um, when I think about the what is seen as the gold standard in corporate Australia mm-hmm. for corporate storytelling, it is the big consulting firms yeah. um, and the way they approach telling telling the story and presenting it. 
the slides are beautiful. They're so beautiful you might lick them. Mm-hmm. You know, they, mm-hmm. They're nicely designed. They're, they've got fat, salt and sugar. <laughs> they do have fat, salt and sugar and they've got lots of white space. Mm. Um, they've got a consistent font. The charts are labelled and there's no pie charts mm. or very rarely pie mm-hmm. charts, which um, keeps Rusty happy. <laughs> uh, but that's the gold standard of strategy presentations or presentations and senior stakeholders are used to seeing that as the gold standard Mm -hmm. and if you think about the quality of the storytelling and analytic presentation that most analytic teams are serving up to those same stakeholders Mm -hmm. it looks like a poor cousin they're just worlds apart Mm. um uh, in the visual presentation, those sorts of things. So while I'm not necessarily a fan of this is the answer, let's go find data to support it, I think that there's a lot we can learn from those strategy houses about how to present the story mm-hmm. um, in a way that is crisp and clear and draws the business people to understand the insights and the action that needs to be taken off the back of them. Mm. So I'm not an advocate for this is the answer, go find me the data that supports the answer. Um, But you're an advocate for high production values around the final presentation that seems as if you may have done that, even if you did it the right way. Well, I think it comes back to what is the the language that Mm. senior stakeholders are used to engaging in around high-quality advice. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're used to when it comes up. High-quality advice is those beautiful presentations that have got, you know, the, the business inside at the top and then supporting data. And I think that there's a lot we can learn as a profession about not forcing our stakeholders to sit through the inverted pyramid with all the, the, the fat data at the top down to the bottom, waiting, you know, for, waiting for an hour. To get to may, the meat. Well, we may or may not get to the meat. Mm. And we don't even do the, and after the break, you'll hear the three reasons why you should keep on listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, so I think that there's stuff we can learn from them. And I think for, you know, we, we, we as a profession have gone, oh, no, we're not management consultants. Mm-hmm. They are spawn of Satan and yeah. they're trying to cut our lunch and they're trying to steal our work and they don't get it. Actually, they consistently are engaged to provide high-level advice to mm-hmm. boards and so they Top are tables. getting it on some level. They are getting it right on mm. some level. And it's not that they're, they're smarter than us. I actually think that, well... well right. Often they are just us three weeks later. <laughs> yeah. And, and they are indeed taking analytics that we've done. So so often I hear from my, my team, but that's our work. Mm. It's like, well, it is to a point. They were better at telling the story. Yeah. And the reason that they were able to get traction and the reason that they were employed in the first place is because we failed to tell the story in a way that engaged the senior people to take the strategy decision that we knew never mm. to happen all along. And this is a so, skills gap ultimately. Yeah, it's shame on us. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's a skills gap. So we need to be um, really cognizant and allocating time and allocating resources to telling those stories better and also... Um, what can we shamelessly steal from, yeah. from, from the way 
strategy houses. Yeah, yeah. How do we yeah. how do we copy the good bits? Model what they're doing well. I'm hiring people who are ex strategy consultants into the team because I actually think that that's what's needed to actually take the function to the next level. Mm, mm. Um, because you know. Because you can. Well, exactly. Because you can, but also it's a necessary. It's a necessary skill. The analytics and being smart with analytics is a necessary but not sufficient condition to drive to mm. action. So how do you keep your professional development going? What do you do? What do you listen to? What do you watch? Who do you pay attention to? Who do I pay attention to? There's a couple of ways I do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I rely on my um, partners, mm-hmm. my external partners, and so that could be um, consulting houses. Yep. Uh, it could be technical companies, mm-hmm. software companies. Um it could be uh, market research people. So I think um, there's probably four ways okay. that I uh, look to ensure that, you know, I'm getting the professional development that I need. And it's really important to me because I've got a high learner function, mm-hmm. super curious. I want to do interesting, innovative stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I get one overseas trip a year um, paid for by my company. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Uh, where I get to go and visit a range of different software companies and also peers around the world who Mm -hmm. are doing stuff where we swap ideas. And that's really, really important to me. So that's a couple of weeks of just thinking time and innovation time. And I try to mix that up with going and seeing people who are working in my industry as well as people who are working in adjacent industries and Mm -hmm. different industries in in, in analytics. Um, and then, you know, you end up with a, a nice little global network of people you can then ring and go, have you done this? Have mm. you tried that? Mm. Um, the other one is being really, staying really, really close to the, um, your partners. So mm-hmm. that be consulting companies, research houses, software vendors, hardware vendors. Um, they're often able to, to get out of Australia more than we are, mm-hmm. letting them know the questions that you're wanting to ask want or want answers to. Yeah, what's on your mind, yeah. So basically say, look, I'm interested in as you move from marketing and campaigns to marketing and customer journeys, how does your measurement framework need to evolve? Who's done that best practice? You set that question loose and they'll come back and... Because hmm. they want to please you and they want to well, sell you more stuff. They want to sell you more stuff and so a way of all add, all putting value adding to an existing hmm. relationship, those sorts of things. Hmm. So... Staying really close to that. And then um, following um, interesting people on Twitter mm-hmm. um, or LinkedIn, mm-hmm. um, seeing what they're doing. And um, lots of podcasts. I listen to a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, like to, I like to get out and do go for long, long walks mm-hmm. on the weekend and I'll have lots of podcasts. Back to, I love you know, Adam Grant. I think we both have a Yes, we love Adam Grant. Professional crush on Adam Absolutely. Grant, who's awesome. Um, Malcolm Gladwell. I really like Shane Parrish's work on the Knowledge Project. Yeah. I like reading his emails, but I really like listening to his long form interviews. Mm, mm. I think he's a really great interviewer. Fabulous. We always have super, super interesting people on there. Um, and then that kind of takes you down a rabbit hole. Um, mm. Freakonomics. I like listening to Freakonomics. Um, I like... Because your background is economics. That was your first degree. My first degree is economics. Mm. And I like that approach. Um, I also like listening to um, sociology things as well. Mm -hmm. Um, 
a lot of the slate. I, I listen to a lot of slate podcasts. Okay. Um, I really like. It is now the waves, but it used to be double X. It's mm-hmm. um, a number of women talking about what they're reading, what they're thinking, what they're seeing in society, mm-hmm. um, and that will then send me off on other things. And so it's not just data and analytics. It's what's happening in business, what's mm. happening in academia, what's happening broader. Because mm-hmm. there's often stuff that you can pick up that's completely unrelated. I mean, Matthew yeah. Babble does really, really interesting things <sighs> that makes you think about mm. what you're doing differently. And he's such a good storyteller. It's fabulous. I love when he gets really excited and, and annoyed. And what we're talking about here? <laughs> yeah. I love it. The stuff he was doing on memory, I think, was really, really interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the, the pilot thing, yes. Yeah. With the pilot and the news, the journalist and the, the yes. The journalist and then, um, and then how that then transitioned into supposed academic fraud. Yes. Um, when actually it was, they were just errors because people were pulling grants together. For me, it's thinking about how do I use those uh, little gems in what I do, Mm. Um, whether that's um, thinking about what that means for, so um, I run a market research function and we're often asking people to recall how they how they liked our product. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you first got this product, what did you do? Yeah. Last time when you were, what what did you do and what did you think? And so there's lots of... Um, lots of sort of neuroscience and things like that that can get picked up mm-hmm. and, and used in and thought about how we approach how we do our work. Um, so I often kind of find myself going down podcast holes. Yeah. You know, so you pick up one, you pick up an Adam Grant, and then you'll lead to, or I found Adam Grant via Malcolm Gladwell. And, um, I also like, there's an um, NPR podcast. Oh, I like This American Life. Yeah. Um, and I also like How I Made This. Oh. Oh, yes. I think I've got How I Built This, How, oh, I, how made I Made This. How I Built how This. this? Yeah. How I Built This. It's a series of entrepreneurs talking yeah. about their, their company. That's the one where I listened to the Airbnb guy I was ah, talking about. How I Built This or I Built This or it's an NPR one. Yeah. It's, it's fabulous. Yeah, and it's a guy from This American Life. And Dyson. Have you listened to the How I Built This with Dyson? Oh. I listen to, listen to Dyson. Listen to Dyson. Um, I, I like listening to things. I, I like listening to the way people think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I will listen to sort of, you know, Will Anderson's philosophy if he has a guest that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And that could be music, it could be a writer, it could be somebody who's working in... Um, you know, refugee advocacy, those mm-hmm. sorts of things. Yeah, it's not restricted in subject matter. And I, and I think all of it, so it's, it fuels my curiosity mm-hmm. and you actually need to have different points of view and different ways of thinking that actually mean that you're bringing a richer palette to your problem solving Nice. Oh, I think that's a perfect place to finish. Mm-hmm. Thank you for fueling my curiosity. Um, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Let's stop. I'm 
I'm sure your curiosity has been fueled. If you want to have uh, links to any of the things that Liz mentioned during the podcast, you will find them at smarterdatapeople.com. I'm Cindy Tomkin. I'm the consultant's consultant. I help your data science teams work faster, smarter, and nicer. And uh, you can contact me at smarterdatapeople.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, Go to the same place, smarterdatapeople.com and hit the contact button and I will be in touch with you. I'd like to thank uh, Keegan O'Shea, who was our first podcast guest, uh, for the music, which you are probably hearing right now. Speak to you at the next podcast. Bye-bye.